Welcome to the Your House, My House podcast. Our goal is to create a safe space for conversation, like like talking talking to your your best friends. Friends that have your back, that are encouraging, and that challenge you to not only improve your life, but yourself. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Your House, My House podcast. I am Madison. I'm Priscilla. And we are so happy that you are here joining us on our podcast today. Yeah. So today's topic is going to be on spiritual abuse. Um, Just kind of continuing the conversation um, that we've been having and kind of like niching down um, on what spiritual abuse looks like. I feel like there's two different areas that we can attack this from. which is we can look at like the church, the church as a whole um, and how um, the church covers abusers. Um, But then we can also look at what does it mean? Cause we know like there's physical abuse, mental abuse, even financial abuse has gotten like more conversations recently. Um, but to really talk about like spiritual abuse and what does that mean and what might spiritual abuse look like for a child. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, Madison, I could use a question to start off because the the truth is in talking about this topic, um, or like thinking about, because I've known I wanted to talk about this topic. Um, I've just kind of really had some pause and, um, some uncertainty um in just how I'm going to talk about it even though I know that um it's really important to me and I think it's something that more awareness needs to be brought to absolutely I'm trying to think in my head questions that I've asked you personally and questions that I have asked you via podcast so far um I I want to say did last week I ask you what was your first experience with spiritual abuse um, <clears throat> I think you asked me something in relation to maybe, I'm not sure. Um, I think we might've lightly touched on it. These days, like I said earlier. Is I know. Priscilla and I are seriously, her and I are seriously going through a whirlwind of change. Mm. Both no. of our lives. There's a lot going on. I know we say that all the time, but it's literally the truth. Since we started our podcast, think of how much growth we've done and where we've gone since then. It's crazy and insane. Yeah. And change is still to come for us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's truly unbelievable. Um, but okay, let's see here. It's probably harder to see like on the podcast itself, but like we know personally just how much we're going through and hopefully that eventually translates to the podcast you know I even think back to kind of when we took what was it like a month hiatus back in summertime and we kind of did our little catch-up um Mm -hmm. podcast episode um you know even think from the start of summer till now I guess the first day of fall how much has changed even since then yeah yeah we're hitting it hard with our careers, jobs, and just people and everything. everything. But, you know, I guess that's like you're, you're grow, you grow every day and 
that's just that's how it is that's how it is so I guess maybe how I could jump into this is I could kind of share maybe some of my faith background yes um, I don't know if I've gone into that too in depth here on the podcast I know I've made some comments but not like as a story so yep. um <clears throat> Like my, I guess you could say like ancestral, like my family's background is Catholic. Um, so my dad um, and then my mom um, converted to being Baptist. So um, I don't know if I even really like fully know like their baptism story or whatever, um, but <clears throat> <laughs> Baptist, sorry, though baptism is an important part of being a Baptist. So I know <laughs> they had it, but I wasn't there, so I didn't. Um, but anyway, the <sighs> baptism really made sense to my, or the Baptist way of thinking really made sense to my dad because he didn't like um, the Catholic Church and like this is kind of like putting words in my dad's mouth. So, uh, but like to kind of put it is there's it's salvation through works and really what pulled him to the Baptist way of thinking is salvation through grace. Um, That it's not what you did. It's what Jesus did for you. So, um, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think there's really anything that we can do to earn our salvation. Absolutely. Um, so I'm really glad that my parents made that choice for starters. Um, my parents experienced what, and this is all he said, she said type of stuff because I wasn't there yeah. or I was a little child. Um, but from what my mother told me, um, and from the photos I have of me and my mom dressed up as like when I was little, when she was first apparent um it was almost it's not the baptist that i know because my parents made the switch but they b- were basically part of what i would call a baptist cult um okay. and really what is a cult i've heard like the way i like to think of it in really simple terms is it could not survive the um the death of the leader like if that one central person um so i don't know because i have not attended that church as an adult i don't know if it is that one person or if it's several board members or way of thinking but it's almost and i know there's like you know mennonites and amish you can almost think of it similar in that way in that here's where i find the hypocrisy so you say salvation through grace but then you pile on things like modesty culture. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to take a stab at that um, lightly and say that salvation through grace was a appealing part of becoming Baptist. Um, but then this Baptist church in particular um, had like specific ways that they felt that the women should dress. Um, in regards to like, they should always wear skirts or something. They shouldn't wear pants. Um, 
like so my mom had wore like these jean skirts and stuff and then also they had strong opinions on christmas so um a story that my mother told you told me i believe we've talked about the i don't know if you talked about it via podcast but i remember you telling me bits and pieces of something with christmas and i was so like mind boggle because I've never I don't think I've ever heard anything like that before yeah it might have been on the podcast episode where we did those um cards for like yeah I remember you saying that to me when we were sitting on on those chairs yes Mm -hmm. yeah so um basically they had strong opinions about Christmas so my mother threw out all her Christmas decorations including to what she said was something that she really regretted was a white Christmas tree. So that she loved. And so she threw it away. Yeah. So they were really, I think, sold out um, somehow to this, which I can't wrap my head around, but I know, you know, if you're, it is what it is. Um, I, like I said, I wasn't there, so I don't know how that ended up happening. Um, and I can't certainly fact check that because I wasn't there um, or have a say, but that's what I was told. So that's kind of, I remember some of that in the dress, like just like looking at back at the photos. Um, and um, what I really remember is kind of post that um, I remember um, cause like, to understand where I was like as a child, like it would be, you know, where 172 is, and then there's that prison. Um, yes, yes, yes. Off. Yep. So we would take that ramp up by the prison to get to the church. So, um, sorry, listeners, if this is kind of vague, if you know Green Bay geography, it's not. Um, but like, I have a memory of that prison, like that. I think I remember asking my dad about like afterwards when I was older, maybe like six or seven, I was like, was that church by um, the prison or something? Because I had like this memory of just going up to the prison because in my little brain, it seemed so big. Now it doesn't seem big. Um, But um, so I really don't have any memories of that church. Not much. Um, Maybe like of just stories that my family told me. So then um, my family left, my parents left um, that church and found a different Baptist church um, in Gillette, Wisconsin, <clears throat> just called Gillette Baptist. Um, and um, that church for me, because I was growing up there, like, was a really big focal point of like my faith and um, the preaching that I heard there um, is a big part of how I like, how I find like fact checking, like the Bible's like just being open and questioning to like what your preacher is saying. Like they really focused on um, the Bible um, King James version was their particular one um so even though it's kind of like old english um that's the still the version that i'm most comfortable even with the these and the thous um it just translates well for me because i grew up with that um 
I can understand it in my mind the way I would with like just replacing the word you or whatever. Right. Um, but they really pushed like a lot of the things that my dad liked about the Baptist faith. There was, which, and I'm saying the salvation through grace um, and the gospel and Jesus was preached every morning. Um, so that was cool. Um, and I have memories of like Sunday mornings as always being this really hectic thing. Um, like there would be fights, um, between my mom and my dad. And I don't think, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know because I don't live in other people's houses. Um, but I don't think that, um, it's necessarily totally uncommon, but I think it was a little bit out of, I don't know. We were always late. Um, that was the thing I remember is walking into church late. Um, my mom would always say that my dad wasn't helping her. Um, and as a woman now running like my own house, I can say that there are 10,000 little things that we as women will do and like not even know or articulate or our spouse doesn't even realize is happening. Um, <clears throat> so unless we, unless we, we clearly ask for help or clearly lay out our process, um, like I've just found like it's, there's so many things I do that mentally, like, I'm like, why is it so hard? <laughs> so anyway, oh, wait, what, what? No, I was like, yeah, wait, okay. like, yeah. Why? like yeah, why did we do that? There's just 10,000 little steps to get out the door. Um, anyway, um, with church, the big thing ended up being, and this would be the first like form of like spiritual abuse that I would say, um, I saw is that we went to Gillette Baptist for most of like my conscious childhood, um, while we lived in Krakow and it would be, my mom would get uncomfortable, um, with the church, whether it was like, I don't know, like women chatting with her or, um, whatever her reasons were, but it would be like this. We'd go to church for like a year or two years and then we'd pull out and we just quit going for like a year or two. And then we do it again. So I think this happened like, um, at least three times between okay. the ages of like six and 11, roughly. Mm -hmm. So it was very, um, jarring to like lose, um, any form of like community or outside people, especially for me, because I wanted to be around other people. It was very jarring for me to experience that as a child, there was like a stability and it was really like a power control, like, and we would know, or I would know, um, like when it would start happening, we'd start going less to church. And then she, there would just be an ultimatum that we weren't going to church. Um, and I, it was like a power control. Like she got to determine if we went to church or not. So, um, 
did your mom like do you recall your mom having friends growing up or was did she never have like a girlfriend that she just talked to did stuff with any girl late woman from church nothing no um my mother um had one childhood friend who um I'm trying to think like if this is a good time to tell this story but I suppose now is as good as time of any um at some point in our childhood um this childhood friend of my mom's um was going to come over and it was like this big thing um my mom hadn't seen her in years this was a friend like when she was in um, high school. Um, I have a picture, um, of her, my mom's childhood friend and my mom. I don't know why I have the picture, but I do. Um, and then a note that my mom's childhood friend had wrote to my mom, like on the back of one of the photos or something. So I have those, um, kind of feels weird that I am the keeper of those items um but at some point my mom just gave them to me um and so this friend came with her husband um and I know like the day before we went to Shano and we got all these supplies and um we were really excited to meet mom's friend mom was really excited um and then something weird happened um My mom's friend was, it was at our picnic table, like in the yard. And my mom's friend was like trying to show, oh, this is what I've done or something. I think something with a magazine was in there, um, but okay. they were just trying to, she was just trying to like share about her career or whatever. Okay. And um, the comment my mom made after she left is um, like, who did she think she was? Or did she think mom didn't have anything better to do? Mom said that she had all these kids to take care of. And this woman was just bragging about herself. Um, and so that's like the general gist of it. So there was something, something there, whether it was jealousy or I don't know. Um, my mom just never spoke to her again, to my knowledge. Um, yeah so and she had reached out um similarly with my mother's family um my mom's siblings would reach out occasionally and um occasionally we'd get a visit from an uncle um or I have like there was a year I was in dance with my cousin um my mom's niece um and so that year my mom and her my aunt were kind of like hanging out a little bit more because we were. Um, yeah. But, um, even that dance, like that was a thing. Like when it came to the end of the year, my mom asked me if I'd like to re-enroll. Um, and it was this, I don't know how to explain it because I think I was only eight at the time, but it was this thing. Like, she's like, well, you can if you want to, but I knew at my like dance, it's called a recital, right? Yeah. Like your final thing. Um, I knew at that, that, um, 
there were some like older girls who were like listening to me or who the songs were because with our Baptist background, um, like, and like with the church, like even each one has like, you know, their own kind of little things, but we didn't want to listen to any music with like any types of drums or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was considered kind of like um, sinful. And that was maintained all throughout um, even my teenage years. But um, when it came to the dance, um, the girls af- that performed after me, um, I had gone back by my mom and my mom um, and me, like, I remember feeling uncomfortable as a child by the music. Um, and my mom was made a comment about it. Um, so, um, it's just because I wasn't accustomed to that kind of music. Like I hadn't heard it before. Um, so when my mom asked me about if I wanted to go to continue with dance, she said that we could, if I wanted to, but I knew she was, (sighs) there was this gut feeling in me as an eight-year-old that even though I wanted to, and I sucked at dance, if I'm being perfectly honest, I remember trying to follow everyone's footsteps. I could not remember the steps. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, my mom kind of teased me about it a little bit. She did. She said, um, Priscilla, you're looking at everyone. And I was like, I'm trying to learn over here, (laughs) you know? Um, But, um, when she asked me if I wanted to continue with the dance, there was like this um, gut feeling in me, like looking into her eyes, knowing that I wanted to say yes, but if I said yes, she would judge me as like a bad person for wanting to continue when the music was bad. Um, so I said no. Um, and really, I think once we were done with dance, If you look back on that now, like if you think you ever wonder like if you would have said yes do you if if circumstances weren't as they were for you like do you think that you still could have continued dance a good portion of your childhood yeah I think I could have there's I mean that's kind of like there's a lot of different things that you could do through childhood you don't know really what you're (laughs) interested in um I don't think even if I had said yes, that I would be allowed to, I don't know if dancing was, I would assume dance is a cheaper sport than horseback riding. Um, but around for like my 10th or 11th birthday, I got like a six pack of horseback riding lessons or whatever. Um, and, um, I don't know. I really loved it. Um, but my mom told me, this is not even, we are on a different tangent. That's not about spiritual abuse, but um, I'm just going to kind of like, kind of finish or go with this because it really irritates me now that I look back at the different times my mom um, sabotaged. Certain experiences in your life. Yeah. Like very formative because I was isolated being homeschooled and stuff. These were very formative memories for me, very rare and very special. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that, she said things. So, um, I, Ooh, I don't feel good saying this. Um, it like makes me feel, 
makes me feel anxious because this is like a um uh what's the word for it when you have two conflict there's a word for when you have two conflicting um stories or two conflicting beliefs yeah um, yep. you're talking about um i can't think of it but anyway um i was around 10 or 11 um when i got these lessons i think probably 10 um for like my 10th that feels like something i would would have a decade feels like something you would celebrate with a little bit more expensive present um and i was so excited for these lessons this was my first time um because i had been reading like these little um fiction books from the library about horses and stuff like that's kind of like how I got into it so my mom taking me to the library is kind of how I got into horses and then I was very much like invested in this whole idea and then I um we went to the barn I had my lessons and then I think it was like on my fifth lesson I don't think it was on my sixth I think it was the one before um my mom told me that the trainer told her that I would never be any good. You're kidding. First of all, like, and I couldn't logic this until I think like in my twenties. Um, but like now, like, so this is where the kind of like the disbelief for me comes in. When I was 14, I had got, my dad had gotten me act like horses, like, um, and it seems like in between those two were like a lifetime of years, even though it was only like four years. Um, but a lot of things happened in those years. Um, but I was riding on the drill team. Um, and this like middle-aged lady, I don't even remember who she was, but a middle-aged lady there made a comment to my dad and said, wow, she looks like a natural. I don't think I'll ever ride like that, even with all my years of lesson. Um, and I do think it's harder to get into something like that when you're older. Um, yeah. You're just a little bit more reckless when you're young. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things that I can do at 14 that I don't think I'll do when I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my dad told me that. And so I had for years, like this, after my dad told me that I had like for years, like this, this weird thing in my brain where I was like trying to figure out so which one is true oh Priscilla so um and I like so finally like later maybe like in my 20s I don't know why um because I just kind of it was whatever I don't know why I just loved horses so much that I didn't let my mom's comment stop me and I didn't my dad's comment didn't really like go to my head or anything like um, it definitely helped. It was a confidence boost that he told me that that lady said that. Um, but um, I, sorry, I'm just kind of getting lost in all the thoughts. No, take your time. I recently, and I don't know why, because um, right now I'm not riding. I'm overweight and it just wouldn't be um, a good thing to do. But... Um, 
I recently thought, or maybe someone mentioned it to me. They, someone might have said to me, I don't think I could figure it out of myself. I think someone said to me, what kind of business owner would tell a parent that about a student? Exactly. And I was like, that was the first thing that came to my brain. I was like, shit, you're right. You're right. That would be so stupid. Unless the child was literally falling off the horse. Why would you talk yourself out of a sales? Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Exactly. Exactly. You're losing business. So I believed this for years. Um, it didn't, for whatever reason, it wasn't a limiting belief for me as a child. But then I remember when my dad told me that comment, then I have like these, suddenly I had these two conflicting yeah. things in my head. And I think someone else had to actually ask me, because I don't know how I would have come to that conclusion myself. Like I just, but then someone asked me, they were like, what kind of business owner would say that to a parent? Exactly, Priscilla. And I was like, shit, shit. It was right there in front of me. Like all these years. You, at 10 years old, you don't think, oh, my mom's lying about me and I'm What great. kind of mom? Your mom's supposed to always support you and, and push you to further your oh. You know what? The thing about it is, is I can understand horseback riding lessons are not cheap, even as an adult. I, I, I can understand. Like my mom did say, hey, Priscilla, or they said, we're not going to be able to continue to do this. And I understood. So I don't even think it could have been around that. But like, you know what I mean? I like they told me that they wouldn't be able to continue with the horseback riding lessons. And I understood that. But Anyway, that was, I don't know. I'm sure she would have done something similar with ballet um, or tap. Um, what do you think, like, you know, I try and think after all the stories you've told me so far, and I'm sure there's more, and I'm sure this podcast, I mean, this conversation is not even close to being over. There are so many things that tie together um, that I think is important to talk about. Um, but what do you think your mom's purpose and reasoning was for keeping you from things, from, um, not allowing you to experience certain experiences from, um, degrading you? Like what, what, there's a goal to everybody, right? What was her goal? Like, that's what I keep coming back to in my head, as a person who's a reading teacher and talks about character traits and how every single character, no matter the story, always has a goal of some sort. Like, what was your mom's goal of doing these terrible things to you? So I'm going to take a step out of that. So I'm going to respond to that, like, kind of like at me as a person. And then I'm going to try to explain it as what I've heard, but I can't accept. Yeah. And that is in like, not that I can't accept it as fact is that I just can't resonate with it. Um, So I, as a person cannot understand her goal. um, Because if I could, I think for me, then I could understand, like, there's a certain point in your brain where you have to be like, and I think we should all have empathy for each other, but there's a certain 
certain point in your brain where you have to be able to empathize with someone. Yes. So for example, um, this is a, I'm not going to compare my mother to him, but I'm going to use it as an example. When I say Jeffrey Dahmer, can mm-hmm. you understand his goal or his purpose? Like, right. um, yes. Yes. Or, like you can't get inside someone's head and getting inside someone's head to that extent might make you crazy. Right. Like, so for me personally, I don't dwell anymore um, on what's inside or what caused my mother, like what's her motivation, right? I think I love a good story and I love character that talks about like character development in movies and stories. Um, I don't know. I like as her child, I don't know her motivation. Um, and it's not really something that I'm interested um, in trying to empathize with and experience on like, a like that's the part for me that empathy, that's something that I'm not capable of because then yeah, like there are things that I can't, like when I say, um, I realize there's 10,000 steps to getting out the door. I said that earlier in today's podcast. When I say that, I'm saying this is something that I can empathize with. Right. But it's been a struggle. But I can't get into like the actual motivation and psyche um, of right. my mother. Um, now that I've answered that as kind of like me and where I'm at mentally, um, I can tell you what I've happened upon um and like from people told me when I was a teen to um when I was a teenager people told me that my mom was jealous of me I could not fathom that um I still can't um as I'm becoming more of an adult maybe Mm -hmm. we're like maybe now you could compare my life. I still don't have children, but I'm an adult. Like maybe, maybe there could be some comparison, Mm -hmm. but there's certainly in my mind, no comparison between a a grown person and a teenage girl or a child. Like for me, there's no comparison. There's nothing to be compared. I would never like, Maybe if there's like a child prodigy and I'm like, damn, that kid is like, you know, like if you ever think about like someone your age, like, for example, I'm relatively close in age to Justin Bieber. I'm like, what if I had all that money? What if I lived a different life? You know, if you think about that, then I'm like, I'm not jealous of him, but it's very intriguing to have a comparison. Right. Um, but I don't see a comparison between a parent and a child. Yeah, I don't either. But um, from what I call the deep, dark world of narcissistic YouTube, because it really is a deep, dark world and you have to, you can go in, but you got to pull yourself out of there and you got to really like set limits because mm-hmm. it can become consuming. Um, there are women on YouTube who deal with like the mother daughter trauma bond um, and the potential that this could have been 
beyond or even further than my mother. This mm-hmm. could be a trauma bond or a pattern of behaving that could have existed generationally. Um, yeah. That like mothers and daughters, some mothers will believe that they need to compete with their daughters. Um, yeah. Still, it's still impossible for me to, me as a, like that first part I said, that first portion, me. I cannot believe that my mom is jealous of me or that my mom um, feels the need to compete with me. I can't fathom that, but that's what YouTube suggests um, that women who are narcissistic and in narcissistic mother daughter relationships, that there is a competition and a jealousy level. Absolutely. There's, so if that kind of answers your question, that's what's out there. Um, and I've been told it by people in my personal life that that's, but I just, I can't, I can't accept it. Um, which sounds so dumb, but I, I get it. I, I do. And thank you for sharing that. Yes. Um, let me know what your thoughts are on this for the sake of time. Cause I have like a million and one more questions now for you. Um, do we want to end our podcast here for tonight and continue to carry on the conversation as we've been doing? Is there more you want to share? Um, let me I know. There's a good place to end. I think that this is what I find so complex in having these conversations is we started out on the top of the spiritual. Yeah. We kind of got to like, um, to like the middle. I have more things to say. I like in relation to, we got up to about 11 years old in regards to spiritual abuse. Yep. Um, And I, and this conversation, I mean, there's, you're, you're detailing your life to us and a life just doesn't go by like this, right? It's, Mm -hmm so many things to to say and memories that you have and um yeah I I feel like it's going to carry on yeah so I feel like this is like a portion we've kind of get, we derailed um and ended up talking about hobbies like spiritual abuse and yes. hobbies yes. um but um I think maybe this is spiritual abuse, like zero to 11, like that's all kind of that I had experienced. Um, But things are about to ramp up. I am about to the things that um, 11 and beyond I experienced in spiritual abuse um, gets a little bit more complex, a little bit more nuanced. Um, And I think that would be a great podcast to have in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my friend, I, I just so appreciate you for being brave, for sharing. Seriously, I I feel like every single podcast so far, the very end, my brain is just like, like my it's I'm boggled by all that you've truly had to go through and face. Um, And I just appreciate you sharing that not only with me, but for everybody who takes the time to listen to us, because it's a very hard thing to be, to be brave and to, um share your own personal experiences that were very very painful to you so 
thank you again for everything. I appreciate that. Um, thank you for holding space, um, asking good questions, um, because this is not where I thought this conversation was going to go, but these are um, some stories that are definitely key stories of my life um, and or key moments, I should say. And it's worth, I think, sharing. Absolutely. Um, and so th this is not how I expected them to come out, but they're um, seared into my brain. So this is a good way for them to um, come out. So I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate um, for all you podcast listeners that don't know this, um, Madison and me are pulling some late nights because uh, she's teaching and then I'm uh, working. And then when I get done with work, sometimes I'm late working. Um, and then Madison um, takes the time to um, record late into the night so that we can record this for you. So uh, thank you. Thanks everybody for listening. We are excited to have you next podcast. Did this resonate with you? Subscribe to our podcast today. Talk, Talk soon. soon. So your house next week? Yes. Can't wait.